Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. Peace, peace. We are the Brooklyn Combine, and this is the Brooklyn Combine. And welcome to another episode. This is episode relevant. <laughs> episode now. Episode right now. Yo, I, was about, I said earlier, I don't want to pass out in here like it's bad hot. I don't want to pass out like D.L. Hughley, no disrespect, but I might have to. Why was he doing his show if he got the COVID, though? I don't understand that. So first of all, so he sound like a thousand years old. The COVID. He got the COVID. <laughs> yeah, but my, no, but my wife, my wife had asked a, a, an interesting question. She was like, um, he had to know like he was not feeling well, but you know, he wanted to do the show anyway. But in this climate where, you know, you're not feeling well, you might want to check and see if you, if you have COVID, if you might possibly be getting someone else sick. So it was interesting that he said that he did feel dehydrated. Before the show, right. he felt dehydrated. However, yeah. I would imagine that that's reflective of the time that we're in, right? Like at this point, if somebody hasn't gotten sick, this is why we're getting these spikes again. A lot of people are probably feeling like, you know what, I'm probably okay. I mean, you know, that initial fear is knocked off. So it's not to say that people should be afraid. This is life. You got to live, move around. But certainly, you know, unfortunately, yeah, people are going to still be getting sick. And it's going to be popping up on, you know, larger and larger national radar. So wish that brother well. Well, a couple of, you know, you know what I'd like to discuss? The federal government is essentially, during the protest, there was, in Baltimore, there was an 18-year-old kid who had damaged a police car. And the feds locked him up and, in, and indicted him. And in New York, two lawyers and a, uh, another young lady from upstate were arrested by the feds where their mandatory minimum is 45 years and their maximum is life in jail. Mm-hmm. I spoke to some, some peoples of the male lawyer who's in. They're detained, no bail, no bond. They have no prior criminal record. They've never been in trouble before. Their attorneys... And they essentially are accused of, so you got one kid sitting in jail, 18 years old, for destroying a police car, sitting in, bail, sitting in jail on a $500,000 bond. And then you have in New York in the Second Circuit, two people who are detained with no criminal record for throwing a, 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 a Molotov that didn't explode at an already damaged and abandoned police car, a crime that would traditionally go to the district attorney's office, uh, criminal mischief, whatever. Now you have these people, the, the government are 
heavy-handedly charging these people, I think, to, to really uh, suppress dissent. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it came straight from Washington. Um, I actually know one of the U U.S. attorneys on the case because he's, he's my adversary in a terrorism case that I have. He's not a, he, he's, he's what people, a lot of people will call a creep. Um, and now you have, it, it's, it's for the public. It, it's for the people who are protesting. And it's really, really sad because now you have, imagine these people for, for damaging a vehicle these these people are facing 45 years in jail. That's just right. insane. It's ultimately a piece of property. Yes, a piece it's of property. property. It's a piece um, of property, which which actually has a dollar amount, and that dollar amount is, is not extraordinary. But again, it's the symbol. It's what it represents. I, I I'm um I I think we are in a very dangerous time as we've always been. I think the federal government, and it was something that happened this week with Barr. Um, they got rid of Berman. Berman was really originally an, a, a Trump guy, but they didn't go through the, through the, this administration is so sloppy, and I guess they're so focused on getting money and, and, and creating their propaganda. They didn't go through the proper channels for uh, the Senate confirmation for, for the Southern District U U.S. Attorney. So this guy who's been sitting as a U.S. Attorney, who was originally a, a Trump guy, he, he had been having issues with the Department of Justice, and he's having these in investigations with, you know, uh, concerning Cohen, concerning um, Giuliani, which is ongoing, concerning those two other guys. Um, and in the middle of the night, they fire that guy, or they ask him to step down. Mm -hmm. He originally says no. Yeah, he said no. He said he wasn't leaving. <laughs> because he knew the law a bit. Because they, they couldn't just do that without um, having a proper replacement. So he held out so that his second-in-command can then come into place. But it's really unheard of where a president and an and a, and a, and a, and a, um, attorney general are pretty much one and the same. There's, there, there's no transparency anymore. And it shows you, I think you mentioned a long time ago, Mally, that there's nothing in the American system, in the rule of law, to stop a despot. No, no, it doesn't. No, and I'm speak, I was speaking in particular about the, the particular form of democracy that this place has, this, this particular, you know, this sort of constitutional republic. Even when we talk about any system, a system in its purest form, and I know later on we're going to go into a little bit of discussion around capitalism, socialism, but suffice to say, a system, you have a culture, it has to be played out by human beings, these real world actors. And the reality is the culture, aside from the actual system itself as it exists in America, has no mechanism to get rid of a despot. So this is why you can see throughout this country's history, no matter how deplorable, no matter how uh, insane, how wild and, you know, outrageous any of these, these people will be who will get into that White House seat, it, it is almost all but impossible to get them out. Now, what sort of position is that? What, what, what sort of democracy could you possibly have when you have those type of dynamics in place? I, I like to call it a colonial democracy. So as a result, it's all about... Um, you know, America is very good at changing the narrative. And 
it, it almost it, it, it's almost really you know like this this rally. I know we wasn't going to talk about this. I know I know you don't like uh, talking about the orange guy. Nope. But look at the Tulsa rally, mm-hmm. right? First of all, this guy. I don't think it was a mistake that they planned that rally originally on Juneteenth. They are. This guy did a rally, and he told his rally followers that you can't sue me if you catch the virus. Mm-hmm. That's quite insane when you really think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. first, first of all, that you're holding a rally, and his and, and his response for it was, well, you know, people are protesting because of uh, racial injustice. Why can't I have my rally? And mm-hmm. it shows you that America. I don't think I don't see how America recovers from this from a from a leadership standpoint, because to recover from this, the answer isn't Biden. To recover from this, you need someone who's intelligent, who's bright, who's aware of history, who has a, a plan. And I don't see anyone in the leadership ranks of America who's who's of that ilk at this point. I think to, I think to recover from this, you need someone who is. Um, confident, equipped, and determined to empower people. And what I mean by that is Trump, Trump is an idiot and he is empowered by idiocy, lunacy, and un, you know, unintelligent people, right? Like the more ignorant people are, they typically are supporters of, of him and this idea that science doesn't matter that COVID doesn't matter, research doesn't matter, information doesn't matter. But in order for us, and, and, and again, but for me, I'll say this, I'll keep saying this, black liberation and saving the American empire are mutually exclusive. I'm, I don't give a fuck about saving America, but if America wants to be saved, then the idea of keeping people misinformed and uninformed as a value system has to change because that misinformation and, and, and ignorance is what is fueling its decline at a rapid pace. But that's where the language comes in then. That's, that's where we get to a place where we want to get, become very much more precise with our language. When we say saved, you know, some might hear that they're thinking of a, of, of a verb is sort of, person going to get saved as in like get rescued, rescued so that you can keep living as you were, as opposed to maybe somebody might want to take a spiritual sense and say like salvation, you're going to be transformed. So when we talk about anybody, talk about saving America, we want to be clear, what do they mean? Do they mean rescue America so it can keep being the way that it was? Or take this dynamic and give it some sort of opportunity to be transform this this good old you know christian salvation type of mental model you know i don't know what cats mean when they say it but i personally am not preoccupied with it like you said when we talk about our concerns we concern ourselves with black liberation and then liberation from what you know liberation from is it from only white supremacy you can have supremacy all over this planet so you want to you want to rescue black people in that sense have some sort of black liberation from this anti-human system or body of systems regardless of the form that they may take. And that means getting away from some of these labels and these sides, whether some of the left or right or libertarian, or you want to get to some fundamentals. What sort of world do you want to live in? 
And now how do you go about trying to construct that world, given the resources that you have, not some imaginary world, the actual world as it is, how do you take these resources and use them for your agenda, for your objective? But but um, I, me personally, you know, I don't want us to defeat white supremacy because that can lead to black supremacy. No, but I will. When you say that, you gotta flex your facts. The brother, the brother Terry Crews. You know what I'm saying? You gotta get into character voice when you say 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 some shit like that. Wait, but 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 to that point though, I do. I think I, I I think that Terry Crews is an incredibly nice guy, but super <laughs> uninformed, super super ignorant. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: the challenge for me is you know is is making sure that at least for my kids, as they go out and they support movements and protests, that they're not fighting. And I you know this is something that a theme I keep repeating: that they're not fighting for their space and privilege that they're not fighting for a, a space in the empire that, um, that doesn't care about them. But instead, But instead, so the idea of black liberation, that's why I say black liberation and saving America are mutually exclusive. The idea of going out, marching, and raising your voice and protesting is really about black liberation as an ideology, existentially existing, right? Without a, without a framework of America, but really saying, hey, listen, globally, there's been oppressive conduct towards black people. And so I'm gonna be loud, I'm gonna be proud, I'm gonna be black, and I'm gonna be brilliant, and I'm going to celebrate everything that it means to be who I am. And I think that that, you know, doing that in open spaces is one way of expressing black liberation, but then, in your everyday acts, not being quiet, you know, not being quieted. And, and, and it's, it's kind of like, isn't that the problem of, of the black predicament in America in a sense uh, that it's like Uncle Key just said, I feel like the, the, the civil rights movement turned into black people trying to save America. You know, look at the leadership that came out of that after they killed and ostracized everybody, you know, it, it became, that's what it's about. Like, you know, right. what, what is Cory Booker? What is Kamala Harris? What is homegirl um, Abrams, um, Stacey Abrams? Like, what are the, all the, listen, and no knock on any of these people, but Tim Scott, like all, Obama, I, I, you know, all these people, um, black leadership has become saving America. Even Al Sharpton, uh, track suit, chubby, Mr. Warner <laughs> Brawley guy, like every, it, it's all turned into that. And I think that's ultimately the problem. And, you know, it, you know what, what was, was really wild to me is like, for instance, black people are told to forget about slavery. Let me say this, our history is much more expansive than slavery. We know that. If you're a student of history, you know that. But imagine any ethnicity being told to forget about the atrocities in their in their um in their history no one does that but it to me it was a part of the american framework to 
prevent black nationalism because what does black national, nationalism prove along the way? What it proves is that American exceptionalism is below average and America um, is a hypocrisy. It has to, you know, that's what it shows. And I think that's why so much effort has been put into propping up black leaders who have no interest in black nationalism, no interest in real black issues, that they just want to force whatever little blackness into this fuller white supremacy, white American doctrine. And it, it's just really interesting because I think until we go at our children and education and our voice and our narrative unapologetically, we're going to keep continuing to have this, this circular um, situation in a lot of regards. All right, so let's take a second, listen to this, listen to this record, and come back at quick break. Wish you could know what it 
to be me you'd see you'd agree everybody should be free cause if we ain't we're murderous be like a bird in the sky how sweet it would be All right, so he's back. But you know, I I I may I I was what made me think about that was um one of us somebody had passed around that video of of the of the forum, the leadership forum in 1973 that included Fannie Lou and um uh Stokely and a bunch of brothers I never Oh man, heard I had never yeah, yeah. It was incredible. Um, it was incredible. And what I realized about that is that Black leadership, there was people from the union, there was people from government, there was people from the streets, there was people from the mm -hmm. social work world. The leadership was, was diverse. And <clears throat> these people were brilliant. They all were well-informed. And they weren't represent. I didn't get the sense that they was representing a party, a Republican or a Democrat. I got the sense that they were speaking through blackness. And that's what black leadership has lost over the over the years you know it's just oh, well, we, well so so let's so let's let's pick that apart then for a second there's a there's an enormous reason that that is the case and obviously we can't get to all of it or i cannot get to <clears> as much <throat> of it as i would like to in this moment but i'll but i'll say it this way so much of america's promise is of course this opportunity to arrive now you can arrive to your fullness that fullness has become de facto whiteness. In America, to be default is to be white. So when we look at other groups, we hear this argument oftentimes. Some might wonder, why is it that other groups in America were able to ascend? Well, where were they ascending to? When we look at, we know the history of Italians. Those of us who are students of history, we know the uh, history of the Irish. We could go through the details of the history of the Welsh. We can go through all this history, and what we come to realize rapidly is that they all ascend into whiteness. Whiteness is the thing that they get into. So if you will, black people become the pivot. We become, basically everybody becomes not black. In that argument, even Asians, even nearly every other group in this country gets to basically not be black. So what you have is in a dynamic, very similar to, if you could imagine a metaphor where everybody's pressing against something to run off, that thing that everyone's pressing against happens to be us. We are at the bottom of that social class in that sense. So black people can never ascend into whiteness despite the fact that so many have tried. And whatever they could ascend into, would then be the salvation of America. It would be the proof that, see, America truly is all that it claims to be. However, when you look at a family, I use this example all the time. You look at a family, you're gonna, if you're being fair and, and moral, you're gonna look at that family based upon 
the worst, right? If you see the, the, the child or some member of the family and they the most disheveled, it doesn't matter how good everyone else looks. It could be a family of 17. Whoever's looking the worst kept, they really bad off of everybody beating the hell off that person. That's how you're going to judge that family. And so in this case, obviously we become that entity. Black people become that entity that's ever beat up. You know, and no one can, I mean, unfortunately, we're naked out here. Everybody see our pain. You know, everybody sees it. But for us to sort of get right would prove that America could be well. But the problem is, in order for us to get right, we would need the same type of integrity and indignity that everyone else has. When we have that, it is in opposition to whiteness because we can never ascend into whiteness. And it is, a, it is an argument that would require a lot of parsing to really get through. But unfortunately, you're not going to get your way around it. I don't care. You could bring me, oh, I'm not going to name names at this point, but you could bring me some of your most astute intellectuals. And, and I enjoy a lot of these guys, your, your Thomas Sauls, your, your, your whoever. The reality is you're not getting around that. You could pretend, you could work real hard at your job, and you could pretend that it's all economics. It's all basic hard numbers. And all you're doing is saying, put your head down and pretend away those other parts, the cultural part, kind of like what we were getting at the beginning of the discussion, those cultural parts of some of these economic systems. I'm a mathematician as well. And this ain't all math. There are certain parts that you can break down. Yes, you can look at the breakdown of the black family. Yes, you could look at a lot of these other issues. But the cultural part of this American dynamic, that's much harder to compute. That part that's much more challenging to put a number to is the part that we're talking about. And you cannot numerate that. And everything in a capitalist order wants to pretend that it can be numerated. And you end up with a dynamic where you're trying to price everything and you confuse price with value, even when you talk about life. You're, right. you're absolutely right. And it's something you say, you know, and uh, actually Uncle Teague says all the time, is that the American experience for many black people has been a crisis in values. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, we've been sort of... Um, distracted in developing what our value system really is. And I, I think I'm hoping that this moment in time, that doesn't pass these young people. Um, because the, the American distraction is so great and the ability to um, co-op the enemy is so, you know, America is very efficient at that. It's so strong that I, I often fear that the young people are um you know they're gonna miss they can, they can miss that you know they it's possible that they can miss that and yeah. and I, I think that would be at this stage of the game of late stage capitalism and this um oligarchical style of government that most of the western world is about to be honest with you it could be very dangerous if you miss that at that point. Um, oh yeah, it could be dangerous even if you even if you get too excited and you're a young person or old person. If you get too excited about maybe you hear the word socialism being thrown around and now you see these various actors and they're looking to get in the White House and you think, oh boy, oh boy, socialism gonna save me. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something: technology ain't gonna save you. Socialism mm -hmm. ain't gonna save you. No guy in the sky is gonna fly down and save you. If you are to be saved, you will save you. Human beings choosing to exist in that very difficult way of saying it's not going to be perfect, but we're going to iteratively move forward. We're going to take the best of what was working and leave the rest. Sometimes you need short memories. Sometimes some of us who got all this fire and we angry, we bitter, 
maybe we need to go and move out the way. I'm fine with all that. My point is simply that do not get caught up in the height and the excitement of the moment and lose your position because even every anything that has power has a certain kind of momentum that wants to keep it. So despite people's individual's desires to be nice or whatever, America exists. America is an emergent property, if you will. And it exists and it wants to maintain itself. And it is absolutely going to do everything in its power to maintain itself. And no amount of intensity is going to override that. It's like working out in the gym. It's your consistency that's going to get the job done. The intensity is cool. That's fine. But know that that's going to wane. That's, that you're not going to have that all the time. But your consistency, you can have that. That is a matter of discipline. Everyone can be consistent. So you do whatever you can, but keep doing that. And that's how you keep that pressure on a system. You love these, you like these politicians, that's good. Whoever they are, there's a lot of them out there that personally, they're interesting to me. When you get in that seat, you hold them to the highest regard. You stop loving them. You hold them accountable. You hold that line. And when they're out of office, they're people again. That Those positions are very seductive. And when they get in those positions of power, like anybody else, you're going to abuse power because you're a human being. You're going to abuse that power, especially if the people loving you too much. So we don't want to get caught up in those dynamics. Hold these people accountable. Hold them accountable. Is is that um, is capitalism in that case? Because a lot of people are talking about like how capitalism is collapsing, is failing. Does that play a role in in um, I guess the way that things have kind of come about? I, um. I, I think, yeah, I think it's part of it because I think like, like Mally said, um, capitalism has this thing of, 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 of quantifying everything. And when you start quantifying everything, you know, that, that begins, you know, you start eroding away at humanity and, and productive systems for people to evolve. And I think capitalism has uh, added to that. And when we say capitalism isn't working, let's be clear. It's not working for the majority of us. Right. But it's working for the people who are still at the helm of this thing. Um, so I, I, I remember I was I was watching something on um, I was watching. So Don Lemon was interviewing a doctor and, a doc, and Don Lemon asked the doctor, and he said, listen, why are why are COVID cases in Europe and in, in, in Scandinavian countries and all these other places? Why are COVID cases going down? But in America, COVID cases are going up. And the doctor said, well, remember that the concept of America is based on rugged individuals. And if the culture of America is designed around white individualism, then, um, then you're not, the only way that you're supposed to succeed and find individual success and value is through finding your space and whiteness. The only way you find your space in whiteness is through capitalism, right? You cannot be poor and find your space in whiteness. That's not how it works. So, so everybody's trying to find their space in whiteness by getting money. Now, the brilliance of capitalism is that it makes you think that you have a fair shot like everybody else. And to be clear, some people will get money but a lot of people won't. But as long as we're all in the race, we're enriching the people at the top of the food chain. Yeah. So when people say that, when people say that 
capitalism is collapsing. I, I don't know that capitalism as a concept is collapsing, but I do think that it's bottoming out and people are starting to recognize like any pyramid scheme, right? This is a well-designed pyramid scheme. And people are starting to realize that the pyramid scheme of the American dream of capitalism is bottoming out and nobody wants to be on the bottom. So now the people at the bottom are starting to say, hey, and this is what I mean, what I meant earlier about these protests, right? People at the bottom need to be saying, hey, the system doesn't work as opposed to, hey, we want our spot in the system. Well, exactly. So now you can get back to the, you can get back to the point that was made about, you can get, well, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far to one side, but I'll make a quick point on that. This is why you can look at the development as a group of like the Irish in America. The Irish came with a profound amount of political astuteness. So they had the body politic on smash. But at the same time that they had the body politic on smash, the masses were still struggling like crazy. In fact, you even had scenarios where you would have, you would have Irish in positions in communities where they weren't the dominant soon-to-be white group, ironically enough, because that was how that was how much political astuteness they had. Nevertheless, their, their people struggled in many ways. When you look at our struggle here, we we unfortunately, some of us, after the fact, began to chase the body politics. So it's fine. We can get up in politics. And we made all these extraordinary strides in politics. But what we did not do was develop well, what we were able to maintain, because we understand, of course, when we look at all of the black towns, the so-called freedmen towns, and they were all over the country, and they did exceedingly well. And I would love for people, I mean, look, we love our brothers and sisters, and we love the excitement around sometimes some of the popular historical facts, but Black Wall Street was only one example. And you, if all you have is a bunch of Black Wall Streets, Black disversions, you're going to end up constructing the very same dynamics you're trying to get away from. You need a variety. Right now, you got 40 million black people. No one group, no one person, no one idea should speak for all of that diversity. You, If you plan on being around, you're going to need a, need a lot of different ideas and a lot of different approaches in order for this thing to work. You know, And of course, we also want to get into what do we mean by work. But to, to respond to Phil's question about capitalism, you know, failing or whatever it is people might be thinking. I, first, personally, no, I don't see capitalism fail. Capitalism is doing very well. And, you know, it's doing exceedingly well. The same issues that are had here under capitalism, you could likely have and do have under a social under a socialist dynamic. Mm -hmm. There's no, a lot of any system, again, if everyone practices it to its, you know, its sort of epic, most developed ideal environment, Everything would be extraordinary. Yeah. We could all be out here worshiping SpongeBob. Is that you know? Any, if everybody's doing it right and but, staying but, in their but, lane, you know what I'm saying? And, and no, but you you hit it on the head, Valley. Like all all systems, the prolet the, the proletariat takes advantage of all systems, whether it's socialism, communism, capitalism, whatever it is. That that's just a fact. Um, but what what I'm concerned about is that our young people are going through a chain of events or situations where they are capable of dealing with this mm -hmm. and that requires a a, a a renaissance in our communities in our neighborhoods um not just on an educational standpoint but also the cultural standpoint like you know what i would love to see i would love to see it it become common walking down the street in east new york or walking down the street in brownsville or best Stuy or red hook or crown heights or harlem somewhere south bronx and you have young teenagers who are into the theater and the arts 
on the corner doing a play about um, today's society and politics. Like, that would blow people's mind, but we don't even see, like, we need to put them in position so that they will, they're well informed because this thing, remember, a year from now, we're going to be talking about, we, we may be talking about, like, yo, does everybody have enough water? Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there enough food supply? Absolutely. Um, you know, is it, so, you know, I, I'm just, I, I, I want us to be always be concerned about. And those, and those can definitely be some, I know we got to go to the break, but those, you know, for people who get a little too excited about socialism, you might see some of them concerns pop up real fast. Mm-hmm. You start talking about tra- but, <laughs> transferring who will be controlling your production. And, and real, real to, before we take a break, like Uncle Keith said, like, yo, this thing with, with, with the virus, yo, just a few weeks ago, again, the American psyche had decided that we can afford to lose Absolutely. this amount of people. Absolutely. And, yes. and then when they realized, and you know, basically all them, all them patriotic people were killing, willing to kill their grandma and grandpa. But Absolutely. once this country realized that, oh, it's the niggas who getting sick. Hey, man, it's time to get back to work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shit is fucked up, man. You know, who's, who's, who's in charge of the music? Uh, I'm still a music director, right? Phil, my sister <laughs> Phil is going to use a song for everyone to listen to now. We'll be back. Money 
not trying to go to court As soon as I step in it, I'm reppin' it Uh, head nods, no handshakes I ain't trying to get affectionate no. I be with the niggas I know gon' ride most definite Uh, I make a mistake of correcting it wow. Bobby, perfectionist, ayy All right, we back. Um, so you know, look, I just in a mule. Forty acres in a mule next. 40, yo. Yo, forty acres. I need want, my. I need that, yo. You want your forty acres? Your yeah, man. Yeah. I don't look, man. I don't. I don't know. Look, my my gut is, I think reparations is is a is a pipe dream, but in the <laughs> event that it did happen, it would be just another way for the American narrative. To, to overwhelm the black narrative. Uh, my concern is that we don't have a, a cultural plan. We don't have an educational plan. We don't have a process. Um, but you know what? I, I'll say, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that there's a need for a plan yeah. per se. But what, mm -hmm. you, what, what there is a need for is a certain type of force of reality to impose itself the need for certain, a certain emergence, if you will. I don't know that uh, individuals necessarily seek set out with a plan to have a more just or a more moral society as much as the conditions around them, not to be all deterministic, but I guess I am. I do feel that the times make you, the environment makes you the conditions. And that's why you want to try your best. That means what you do with kids, right? That's what we do with the entire community. We want to put the best around them that could possibly produce what it is that we might want to see as opposed to trying to, you know, maybe have some other way to make it emerge. But of course, right now, Ta-Nehisi Coates, his, his, his article has become, it's becoming, you know, uh, dipped in gold at this point, you know, and I guess it's good, good <laughs> stuff for making that case, you know, for making that case for reparations. Personally, I, look, I, how do you put value? I, I say, how do you put value on that man who got hung on that tree during the red summer? And his head and his penis decapitated off of his body. Well, we understand that you can't. Yeah, we understand that you can't. Yeah, that. that, that yeah. But how can you put? But it, I do. I do. I. But I do think. I think that the the problem, the issue that I have with the conversation about reparations is that it it needs to be framed properly. If it's not framed properly, then it'll just be a tool to alleviate white guilt and a tool to say to black people, "Hey." You know, we know this thing happened, but now it's over, and we, this is what we did. I and agree. I think that, that there needs to be a framework around what reparations is. Reparations is not reparations is not a one-time payment to say we did something wrong, and so here's here's a check. Reparation. The framework around reparations should be: Hey, you know what? Everything that is valuable about this company, I mean, about this country or company, I should say, right? Mm -hmm. Is as a result, it, right? Is a result is a result of everything that you and your ancestors have done. Therefore, you are you are because you're so responsible for the wealth of this country, right? You are owed equity. That equity is not shared by some one-time lump sum payment. That equity is actually taking a look at how do you how do you provide equity for a class of people who have been left out of the wealth that they brought to not even to not even just left out son i mean it is left out um but purposively 
alienated from it. Like, you know what? Well, like, right, of course. Yeah, this, yeah, this, like, was, you the, know what I'm this was the state against you. This was the federal government against you. This was not like mean people. This was not like individual. And you're right. You're right, Big Keith. It, you need that. You need that framework, that ideological framework. However, even given that framework, because that's so well, I don't even want to get into the whole why it's so difficult to quantify. Because you know who knows where that can go. But at the, no matter what, even if people accept that, you're not going to stop those who are on the position of giving to look at it as some sort of compounding moral debt that they're paying. Like that's that's a fact. You could give it any framework you want. From the level, from the perspective of the individual, let's say the individual, a liberal white person who's saying, look, I'm going to support this. They're not supporting it on economic grounds necessarily. They're supporting it on moral grounds. They want to be morally alleviated. So they don't say, yeah, say whatever you want to say, but here is what this is. And now I don't owe you anything anymore. Right. I don't I want to hear any more about this. You know, you're feeling bad in business. You know, you, you know what I would be with? No question. You even got to convince me of it. I would be with. Every black child going to having free education. Absolutely, absolutely. With that, I, I'm I, with, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm absolutely, absolutely with free higher education. Absolutely. That for for a people who you who who this system discouraged uh, uh, killed us for reading or being informed, who underfunded our school systems, who um, through. Um, you know, a rouge, uh, something like Brown v. Board of Education. Yes, some years later, we still don't maintain our our our, our educational um, ecosystem where we still exist in this underfunded, segregated school system. Um, I would love for us to have the opportunity to either build our own institutions or go to school for free. And you can yes, and that should be a comfortable starting point. To to Vic Keith's point. You, this would play out in a variety of fashions if it were to be so. I'm not even going to get it for the moment into my position on it, but if that were to be so, it would play out in a variety of fashions. That fashion should be something that across the board, everybody should be able to agree upon. Everybody should be able to agree upon an education dynamic because anyone can link that directly to a people's ability to even be self-sufficient. You don't even got to get yet into the problems with how you're going to front in a capitalist order how are you going to fund the stability of what would become your competitor? That does not make any sense. So you would have to be talking about a different kind of system. Why would you do this? You would only do this if you're agreeing for to have a system well, well, that's that's cooperative as opposed to competitive. All right. So let's, speaking of speaking of competitor, this was the, this this is also I think this also has to be part of the the framework, right? It's the framework that listen. Not on, okay. So we did this thing where we enslaved you and you built our wealth, right? But then also after that, we after that we allowed you into this this uh, this competitive uh, capitalist system. You came into this competitive capitalist system. You competed with us, and when you earned your wealth, we took it from you, <laughs> and we took it as our and we took it as our own. Mm -hmm. So, so with that framework as well. What you know that that has that has to be part of whatever the conversation is. I don't know that white people in general are willing to have that conversation. No, that's when I I I actually I'll I'll go on on a limb to say that they are unwilling, and that's what this shit is all about. Like they will, I think that's when you'll get war. 
<laughs> well, because think about because think about what you're asking. You are basically talking about truly Redistrib- redistribution yeah. of wealth. Well, that that's on the economic part. I'm mm-hmm. I'm 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 at the cultural part. From a cultural perspective, that means that I don't got to be your friend. Yes. That means that I'm actually independent of you. I could choose to embrace you or not. And now you have to be willing to get into an arrangement with me such that I would have to choose you as opposed to the dynamic that we currently have where you are imposed on me. Mm-hmm. For my black child, she must know everything about you because it's going to be on a test. It is an elective for her to know about herself. So that that kind of dynamic that we're talking about creates actual independence and how, how, why would I support that when really what I want is for us to all be buddy-buddy together? Mm-hmm. I, I don't really necessarily want you to potentially go, yo, Kwame Ture said it best. I'll quote him till I'm, in, I'm up out of here. He, if my enemy wants to kill me, that's, my, that's their problem. If they got the power to kill me, that's my problem. So we, of course, desire a scenario where we actually have the power. We want black power. Not so that we could have some sort of, I don't know what's in people's imaginations, some little black shade, leather beret, some old caricature, some sickly shooting up white people. No, that's silliness. That's a cartoon. We want power for the same reason that anyone else should want power. You can have integrity and dignity and you can choose who you're going to embrace and not be butt naked out here. Right now, we are butt naked out here. And, and nobody, has- no, but to finish the point, when you look at you look at Japanese American reparations, Jewish anybody, any other freaking group. Nobody in general. You don't really know what's going on intimately in these people's communities. Every single, every dollar, every dime you drop out of some reparation, somebody gave it to you. Of course, they're gonna be bringing it up. You know how it is when when you, when you loan somebody some money. You know, you be kind of wondering <laughs> what my, they need this can for. I get my five dollars back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what they doing with it? <laughs> but 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 even but even still, that's why this that's why this moment in time where everybody's talking about this this is different. This is different. This is what concerns me because you should say something, Mally. You don't know what's going on in the Korean community, really. You know, the, like the underlying thing. You don't know what's going on in other communities. You know what's going on in black communities is dictated on the boob to and on the radio every single day. It's white people like, listening to the Combine podcast. Yes. Oh, yes, it is. It is white people that they, they listen. They are. And, they it, are. and listen, and listen, we know, and listen, this is this is the Mali band. I'm speaking for myself. You speaking for all of us? Oh, yeah, I'm speaking I'm for all I find, you know, you know, you know. But I'll say this. If, if you're here and you are truly in support of black power and you see that as a beautiful thing that you want to support and you're more than welcome. That's wonderful. But if you are like the individual, maybe you, you picked up the phone. Some of y'all who are certain age know we talk about. You pick up the phone and you hear a conversation going on. Nobody know you picked up the line. You know that call is not for you. You know you eavesdropping. If you want to be moral and proper, you should hang up the line. But if you won't hang up the line, you're a devil. Why would you be devilish? Don't, don't do that. If Listen. you know that that conversation is not for you, do not be eavesdropping. Get up out of that conversation. <laughs> look, look, look. The, 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 the voyeurism towards black people is, is, is incredible in American in the American system. And, you know, it's what you just said, Mally, like literally, every, not only do everybody know what they think our issues are, everyone tells us what we should do about right. our <laughs> Yep, yep. And as a result, so that's why this moment in time with everybody out here and, you know, this is, this is different and this is, you know, listen, man, 
that's why I always say, yo, it's time. It's time. Yo, my mom is coming home. Everybody got to leave, man. Everybody got to get out of my crib. Yo, close the curtains, close the door. It's, yeah, it's that absolutely. time right now. Absolutely. Now is that time. What, what concerns me sometimes is that we're not, because, yo, yo, there's some brilliant people in the black community, man. There's absolutely. people with experiences. You got people like uh, Sekou Adinga. You got all kinds of people out here with, with experiences, you know, some that mm -hmm. we know and some that we don't, most that we don't know. And they're not all up in your ivory towers. No. You got working class intellectuals. Yep. You got how they would say back in the day, poor, righteous teachers, you know, yep. some beautiful minds. Like we, the, the, the energy needs to happen in our community that, that connects that. Because right now we cannot find liberation, freedom, any of that with the help of America. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely not. It doesn't work that way. And, and I know we're about to go to break, but I'll make a point that we can get back to. This becomes some of the challenges with celebrating somebody emancipating you. These, this is exactly how you run into some of these challenges. So, go ahead, right. folks, take us away. On that note, <laughs> we're going to listen to some reparation music. <laughs> the fuck is reparation? I don't even know. What, 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 are we, what are we listening to, dogs? You, you, the music director. Nah, let's do reparation music. I don't know. This is, this is old, some old black narratives. Oh, Kid, old. oh you know what? There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's this new record that I got put on to. I got to tell you about it. Um, this new record by this artist called Salt S A U L T E. And the record is called, I'll tell you right now. The record is featuring Michael. The record, the record is featuring Michael, Michael Kiwanuka. It's called Bo, Bo or Bow. Bow? I'm not sure. All right, we're gonna Bow. find that. We're gonna find it now. Yeah, Yo, I got put on to a new kid. You put me on to a new kid this week too, Uncle Keith. Um oh, Dean. Dean uh, Dean's the rapper. Oh yeah. wow, yeah. I like wow. that kid. Talent overload. Yeah, yeah. He get busy. I'm not yeah. He's a he's a combine he's a combine client. Yo, he get busy. Um, all right, so so we'll be back.
Now we're back. All right, All right. Now you were making you were making a point. Yeah, I was making a point around the idea of reparations, and for that matter, you could tie it to anything that you sort of perceive someone giving you, whether it's you know somebody wants to be excited or happy or whatever, what have you, about somebody emancipating you, writing some sort of document to really tell themselves to stop oppressing you. No one needs to tell you to stop being oppressed, but whatever it is that you want to look at, is somebody giving you something. One of the fundamental problems, as I see it, in our community, of course, is around the welfare question. When you look at what the state was able to do to our communities through the welfare system, this is back to that point about the times imposing and and pressing upon you to bring about a certain desired result. Once some of those pressures are alleviated, you stop being forced to find solutions. In order, it's, it's hurtful, it's painful, it's challenging. But when you have no choice, when you must find a way, you will find a way or you will not exist. Some might argue that you don't deserve to exist. I don't go that far, but I understand the point that they're making. And in this, in this country, the sometimes the, the best intentions that certain individuals have had or certain groups, you know what I'm saying? I'm not turning everybody into these vicious, mean Sort of mm-hmm. evil hand rubbing, very, very villains. Very often, people do want to do good work, but more often than not, that road is is it was is that's the road to hell. All of those good intentions, an individual must emerge onto the world stage. It isn't as simple as pull yourself up by your bootstrap. It's not that kind of silly caricature of a dynamic. However, a people must emerge of their own strength. This is how. This is how you have integrity and dignity and you know that you could stand because you you know what you, you know the work you've been doing. If you want a competition, let's say a weightlifting competition and you're trying to move some big weight, 
you ain't pressing that weight the first time you, you freaking get on the mat. You know what you've been doing. You've been building up to it. And so in many respects, there, there has to be a healthy balance of individuals helping you get yourself strong, but not eliminating or replacing certain factors that are necessary for you to have that strength. Like in the case of the welfare state that we saw all throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, where you straight up, you, you created a dynamic where the black father could not be present in mass the way that he was. Well, and, and, you did, and then America did that. And to perhaps to some, they were doing it with what they thought. And this is not, not only in America either. This is the world. Over. This is anyway, this, I'm talking about the UK. I'm talking about plenty of other parts of the world as well. I happen to live here. So I'm talking about it in America. So and, and, and it's, it essentially boils down. That, that's one of the another point for me. That, that I, I totally agree uh, with you and Uncle Keith is saying, but also, you know, it's almost equivalent to me of how, all right, this whole racial moment that we're in now, how you really have educated black folk thinking that corporations can actually fix systemic racism mm -hmm. by giving more jobs, quote unquote, to black people or donating millions of dollars to some organization. That's crazy to me. But it's counterintuitive because you can understand, think about it, that's 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 the white man's burden. That's If you're a good old Christian, you might, depending on the time you're in, you might genuinely believe, I'm saving these people's souls. Almost. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> if, if, you, if, if, you, if, you, if you're a slave master, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and... If you're a slave master and the economics of slavery benefits you, it works for you, right? Then you continue, even if you're nice to your slave, right? Mm -hmm. You're still an evil person. Of now, <laughs> if, the economics, if the economics of slavery no longer work for you, mm -hmm. right? And you, you get rid of your slave because now you don't have to feed him. You don't have to clothe him. You don't have to worry about his brood, his children. Like, you don't have to worry about those things. And you, and it's, it, you get rid of them. Right. And you get rid of them without feeding them, clothing them, without providing them with equity for the things that they built for you. Mm -hmm. Right. You're still evil and you didn't and you're not doing anything. Yeah. But that, that ain't the story. Good. But that ain't the story you go tell yourself. Right. Right. But that ain't. But, but you're not doing anything good. Of because course not. It doesn't work for you anymore. And so now, even if you free him and you give him a couple dollars to be on his way. Right. You ain't do nothing good for him. And so that's that. That's 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 what I think that is problematic for me when I see all these black execs like eating up this, these, they, they're on these committees where they, you know, where they, where they get to kind of like pick organizations that make sense that are good for branding. Right. But like the concept of what these companies have done for generations, exploiting black people, black culture, black labor. Right. And now going and saying, we're still going to exploit you because that's how we make our money. But now we're going to give you some money to fight, you're gonna be a part. You're gonna participate. You gonna participate in your right. own exploitation. So it's it's philanthropy, and philanthropy is a tool of oppression mm -hmm. in that sense. And I think that that the, the 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 entire thing of throwing some money at it is disingenuous. If a company says, you know what, we realize that we own the masters of a record company says we own the masters of artists, right, and of black artists disproportionate to white artists, and black artists are not able to generate generational wealth. We're going to do something about that. We understand that that I, that our business model, right, is destructive to black communities. 
we're going to do something else, right? That's that's work. I'm never, ever encouraging my enemy to do that, though. And I'm never encouraging my people to wait for my enemy to do that. And right. thirdly, I'm never encouraging my people who are brilliant enough to develop that type of analysis to spend their time trying to convince those people that they should do that. I'm going to say, you know what, brother, sister, that is beautiful. That's an eloquent argument. Come over here and let's make our reality. Right. Because if I wait for them to do it for me, I'm going to be exactly like the first indigenous pre-Columbian nation that was here. I'm going to join a long list of broken promises and broken treaties and everything all the above. But here, I say, listen, if you do it, that's a good thing. If you do it, I will take it because I can use it in my fight for a greater humanity. When we talk about black liberation, ultimately we're talking about raising the condition of the whole freaking human experience. Because at this moment in time, we are at the bottom of that. So we're not saying change our condition for the sake of selfishly changing our condition. We really are trying to move this entire dynamic forward. But I don't think it's wise for us to encourage a generation to spend too much time trying to wait and hopefully and say, hey, look, here's why you should give me. You know what? If you think you set me free, fine. You ever, you ever get an insect or something like that and you catch it? When you let it free, it doesn't turn around and be like, oh, thank you so much. Man, that thing is going on about its business, as it should. And we should be in the same way. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that we should be demanding or even asking for those things. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, what we should be saying is, when they throw the, when they throw the little coins in our face, we Absolutely. should be saying, yeah, yeah. the only thing that's acceptable, the only thing that's acceptable is this. I if that's not If that's not the conversation... Then we I ain't listening. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I, I agree. Because what's going to happen is, look, isn't that what, what happened in the 60s, right? After civil rights le- uh, legislation and a, and a bunch of rioting and more protests than it is now today, what happened? We see the leadership that that produced. And that leadership that that produced is not helpful uh, to our children, our, our parents. Uh, and it, and it's, it's essentially non-existent at this point. And 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 and, and listen, you ain't gonna get up there on that soapbox and be more eloquent than Ma- Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. You're not gonna right. burn down more than what was burned down in Watts and Newark and all over this place. So at this point, um, you know, we gotta really, really like you know, on another like you you brought up the music industry on Keith, like ultimately. I really wish that our young people say, yo, yo, fuck this major pop- popular mainstream venues of music. We don't even celebrate what's hot like that no more. Yo, you, you corny if you got title or you got uh, a subscription to yeah. iTunes. Yeah, go and perform. Like, go we'll somewhere perform. and perform. Go in your hood and perform. Yeah. Um, and then create your own currency. Yo, uh, uh, create your own digital and community currency to your artists and that group of artists who are on some real uh, uh, poor righteous teachers, talented, um, and, and, and they've created this different paradigm where the labels is coming for them, and they're like, yo, get out of here, Lior. We don't, we don't, we don't, <laughs> they're like, we don't record sign. company. Record like company. Record company. What is that? That's, that's corny. What's corny. a record? What's yeah, a that's, record? Yeah, that's corny. We what, don't even. What exactly is that? Is that? Yeah, we don't. <laughs> right. We don't even celebrate uh, music like that anymore. You corny. If they, if our youth ever got to that point, yo, the 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 possibilities of of, of nationhood would be boundless. 
Absolutely. And, and wherever you are, wherever you are, because I don't want to say only, or we don't want to say only in the hood, wherever you are. Yeah, you, wherever you, you are. You out in the state. When, when I say hood, I, I want to be clear. I'm talking about black people. Yeah, exactly. Wherever you, if you are, y'all take y'all black behinds to the moon, and I hope you do go <laughs> to the moon. I want black people all over the universe. Yeah, yeah. I do. I want, black, but, I want black people all over the universe. Um, um, black Martians matter. So real, so real quick, uh, <laughs> Yo, <laughs> real quick, is the virus over, guys? We can go outside. I, I, mean, I went outside yesterday. It was looking kind of, you know, me and Phil went to a party in Fort Greene Park. Congratulations. Ask D.L. Hewley at the party. If, <laughs> you know, exactly. If you know, like I, I, is over. I literally got a, um, a, a CNN headline on my phone right now that says, like COVID-19 never happened. There's no social distancing or face masks in Reykjavik's bars and restaurants as Iceland welcomes tourists to an apparently virus-free, you know, destination. So that, you know, clearly everybody around the world apparently is taking these cues uh, from, I don't know, like, I guess being cooped up for mad long. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're world, looking at the numbers. Yeah, that you COVID, numbers that go COVID down. Like, is it's over. over. Yeah. That COVID, COVID marketing branding is over, man. It's time to move on. Uh, we're moving on to the death stage. Next is death. <laughs> I ain't going to lie, though. I, I didn't tell you, dogs, but the like low-key, when we was out on, um, on what was it, Cacao? Saturday. We, like, standing mm-hmm. outside of the bar. Everybody's you know, relatively, you know, doing the social distancing thing. You know, kind of loose with the masks and stuff, but I, I was like standing there and I was kind of like feeling kind of a little lightheaded. I was like, "Yo, am I getting a headache? Is this because I'm exposed? Do I have the funk is so wild, son? This dude, this dude got home. This guy text. This guy calls me, so we hop on a joint. I see this cat. He's like coughing. He's like, "Yo, Mally bad, son. I'm, I'm kind of coughing. I'm feeling like I said, stop, stop. stop. You've been home 13 minutes. You've been home 13 minutes. I was shook, though. No, it's it's um it's 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 really odd to see, man. Like I I I just want to see how this thing all plays out. Um, I, I really I really want us, you know, we got some projects that we've been involved with, and that some things that we got on the horizon, some things that we cooked up. I think it's time for us to just let a lot of things go. Um, because we got to do everything that we can to put a fence around our community and uh, instill accountability within the community. Because uh, this is a weird time, guys. It's- right, it is. It is. But yo, it's uh, it's freaking Father's Day, so big shout out to all of, all the pops out there. You know, big yeah. up yourselves. Happy Phil, I'm very Phil. I'm very upset. You ain't called me on Father's Day, man. I, I put you through college. I did a lot. I wish cats could see Punk's face right now. You muted, Phil. You muted. How did you muted, mute yourself? I muted dogs, and then I made a mistake, and I ended up. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, happy Happy Father's Day. Actually, I, I like um, dumb dogs said uh, on a thread. He said, "Happy Father's Day to to you know fathers past and present." I, I definitely kind of um, took a moment today, and I was like, "Damn." Miss my pops. So. Oh man, yeah, yeah Papa man. Papa Shung, man. Big up Papa Shung. Yeah. All respect. We can pop. So Papa Shung might have been one of the illest, tough guy I met. Papa Shung. He started dropping. <laughs> he did in one in one conversation. He went from telling me how tough he was to rattling off the top twelve head.
headline news and give me his perspective on it. I'm like, yo, hold on. I don't know what he, I'm hearing right now. Was he, was he in his underwear? Because all the time, he's <laughs> talking to me, he's mad. You know, you know you're gangster and, and really like a problem when you, when you when you walking around in your underwear with your kids. Like really. old, old school Caribbean guy. Nah, he's definitely old school. And he made me do he made me do push-ups on my thumbs. I ain't do that since I was in karate class. Back in third. <laughs> but you're a word big, up. Big up, hey. to, big up to H, big up to big Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. H, H is yeah, yeah. gone. But yo, word. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Keith pops and Mally pops. Yo. I'll go out on a limb. Anybody want to challenge? Wait for the contest. Pops? Yeah, yeah. Come on, come over here. You, 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 you know. I, I'm like Suge Knight with that. Come, come, come to death row. Combine. Yeah. See, see those two guys. And I ain't even lying. So how much? How much pops bench? Keith. I don't know, but he bench he more than you, it. though, right? He benches more than me. Yeah. Yeah. Mally, how much? At 69, how much at 69 years old. 69. Mally, how much how much does Big Mike press? I'm a pop CC still moving at 315. I definitely am not moving 315. <laughs> Yo, that's so come on, man. I might definitely 315. I ain't moving. Any any other podcasts out there, you know, <laughs> who wanna who wanna have a, a pops challenge? Let's do it, kid. Yo, it's, yo, it's, and speak, speaking of to freaking Big Mally, man, son, I, I wrote my pops a, a, a letter this morning. Not even I didn't intend to write a letter, I was more you know, you get a stream of consciousness. So you I started you the old school, yo, Mally, I don't really like this girl <laughs> letter stuff, man. What you writing me? What you trying to tell yeah. me, man? Nah, surprisingly, he actually hit me back and was like, yo, this is the best Father's Day gift he's ever gotten. Oh, wow. So, so I, I, felt, I felt good about that, you know. So it was it was cool. My pops, he's on the younger side in some sense. You know, he's 61, but he's getting up there. He's, he's How did you deliver there. the letter? Huh? How did you deliver it? Yeah, when you, you put no, it in a picture? No, I sent I sent it to him in a text, but it was clearly so long that it was a freaking letter. But it started, I was more speaking to you know like my pops, you know, my grandfather for my namesake. He you know he he died when my father was twelve. So I was more thinking about how we have a lot of young people around us, and I, I'm talking about the guys right now. A lot of the young guys share their appreciation for having us as mentors, and I I'm grateful for that. But I was thinking, like, dang, for my pops, I don't know what that's like to not have a dad. Like, I've had a dad my entire life, so I don't, I can't imagine what there's that must of, have been like. There's a lot of people out there with no dad, you know, who yeah. didn't even start off with it. Mally, you should have sent the letter uh, Mike Tyson style with a pigeon, son. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Right yeah, here, man, yeah. <laughs> Yo. All right, so we got, we, we're going to stop for a moment, take a break. And um, be right back. Oh, I fall in love with anyone who will hold me. I forgot a such thing as a hope. I forgot a such thing as a gold digger. All my life and had nothing else gold. Today it's not nobody hold me. This day it's hard to trust my own homies Feel like I don't got no one that really know me For the next part I move real slow My ex sort of proved to be a phony My sex life improved I choose to spend the next night with you on me I'm in death life to you solely I know you said tonight you're wrong lonely I would definitely like to do something 
these young people nowadays had an interesting um, conversation with a 26 year old the other day. He was, um, he had made some interesting observations about his, his generation and how they are, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they have, they want to go somewhere and they, and they have access to all this information. It's almost information overload, but there isn't, there still isn't a destination for them. Like, and this, and, and this was a young man who had graduated Howard. Um, he had, he was making a comment how, you know, everyone, a lot of people in his generation are just very insecure. Um, well, that's where it's on us to help them, as Dr. Clark says all the time, or I listen to it all the time, so I feel like he says it all the time. He actually only said it that one time. But he, he talks about history, you know, telling you your cultural time of day. If, if you end up with too much recitation of the idea that this moment is new, there's never been a time like this, and, you know, all this kind of jazz, you create a scenario where people think they poof into existence this moment. That's problematic. You will end up wayward. But if you can take this moment as a part of a grand continuum, not to reach a point in space, but to reach a space in space, then you can have a sense of purpose. Then you can have a sense of a trajectory, a destination, because you're not trying to get to a point in space. You're trying to get to a space in space so that you can move around. You don't want to get to a particular point. You want to reach a space, an ideological space, and you are on a journey already. There's been so much work that's been done towards a greater humanity. All we're doing is letting that mindset pass through us, that spirit, if you will, whatever way people like to frame it, and passing it on to another group so that they can do the same thing. This way you won't feel aimless. Capitalism, in a way it's practiced today, will have you feeling aimless because all you will want is an abstract more. And that is not enough. More is not enough. Ask, yeah, any, I, I, ask I, any dope thing. I think that... um. I think that, you know, I, I don't know about the economics, capitalism and what these kids are trying to do. Um, if, it, if I'm hopeful in that, but I am hopeful that the things that seemed outlandish as concepts and ideas are now um, very conceivable. I remember four years ago, um, I was trying to get people to divest from banks and saying, yo, you know, like, you know, we, we need to make the switch to like credit unions. And, and it was very hard for people to even, the, the concept of moving your money from a bank was like impossible for people. And then the concept of abolishing police, people were like, you were crazy. I was on a couple of radio shows. People was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. We need police. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's a, it's a conversation that is becoming very acceptable and popular conversation. And people are starting to understand and entertain the concept of, oh, wait, I don't, I should, maybe my taxes shouldn't go to the people that enslaved me and my taxes should go to empowering myself and my community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can look at reforming, you know, if, if you want to take a look at where you might start as an operation, from an operational standpoint, look at the workplace, the place that so many of us spend a, a tremendous amount of time if you're in some sort of work dynamic where you're in there with a lot of people, that is one of the first places that can truly be democratized. Switch that mm-hmm. dynamic around to where the workers have ownership and you completely change this dynamic. You can still have leadership in position to help you manage and govern. You don't have to try to turn your whole society upside down. 
you can start right there in the workplace. Because it's interesting that in nearly every other space of society, there's all these calls for democracy, democratic thought, and you know, all this what have you. But in the workplace, you still have a dynamic where this this the CEO or this board may as well be little kings and this is their little fiefdom. You know what well, I'm saying? So well, seek to undo that. And and you can just like you could do it in a workplace, you can also do it in your building. Absolutely. On your on your block. Um, yeah. you know, in your dorm room. Um mm-hmm. shit, in in the tier of your cell. Well, like you know, wherever you are, wherever you may have where wherever you're at, but it, it really, it really, it made me hopeful talking to this young man because he's really, he was really bright and he was thinking. Um, but then it, it it did it did hit me kind of hard when he said, you know, they, they don't have a destination. Um, you know, look, young white males, you know, there's a there's a very um, well oiled roadmap for them. It's not so much the case for 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 young black men and, and, and women um, in this society. So it's, well, I tell you what, though, but culturally, a major problem that I do see for young white males, probably young white people in general, but especially young white males, is a desire to not be white. Culturally, this generation of young white people do not seem to want that inheritance. They do not want whiteness. So where do they find themselves? So these are challenges, you know, they must obviously create themselves in some new fashion. You know, it's an interesting point, too. Um, This, you know, not to, because this topic is kind of an interesting sort of uh, dynamic, but we were at the the COVID celebration that that Kenny mentioned was actually a Juneteenth celebration. I was going in to collect y'all COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it was going to increase. Really, when you think about that, the fact that you had this gathering of young people, and most of them were young, younger, you have a situation where people are being a little more conscious of what has happened in the past and how that affects where they're looking in the future. You know, that to me is kind of like a testament to, yo, you know what? You might be going in the right direction, young man. Oh, absolutely. And I, I encourage that. I encourage that, uh, you know, we, maybe we could talk about this some more. I'm not sure if it's appropriate for a podcast, but I would love to get into the history of whiteness as an identity factor. And I would encourage plenty of our white brothers, sisters out there. If you are truly a brother and sister, lay down that whiteness. Look into your history. Look into that Celtic history. Look into that. Look into that. Yeah. That Norman yeah, history. Look into your history. No, nah, Theodore, Theodore let, let Allen. Theodore That's Allen, true. The Invention of the White Race, two volumes. Um, Incredible. Uh, Incredible. Nature, the Invention of White People. Um, now, listen, you know, they, you may, here's my thing, no, Mally. There was many of white people in the 60s who were getting a little bit tired of their whiteness, too. Those people are Republicans today. Absolutely. Um, it, oh. it becomes it becomes very trendy, and which which is why that I is say which is why I say which is why I say all the time, <laughs> which is why I say all the time, every time. If you black, you need to be focused on some black power, such that no matter what happens on the other side, you do want the best from all others. You do want whatever is ideal, but your primary concern must be yourself, and that's only wise. That that makes the most. They even tell you that mess on a daggone plane. Put the daggone mask over your face because you can't help somebody else if you cannot help yourself. You're right. This is the reality. But still, I want the best for anybody. And, and, I want the best for anybody. And, and I, I think particularly for our communities, what, it, what, 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 what I walked away with that interaction with that young man also is, is that uh, our solutions, the process to our solutions, 
um, they should be intergenerational. Um, uh, you know, the young people, we benefit from the young people's perspective and they benefit from ours. And, and to have an intergenerational approach to some of these uh, really difficult, complex problems is necessary. Um, it's very necessary. And that doesn't mean, you know, come here, young guy, you're doing it wrong. Not that kind of interaction. I mean, a real uh, reflecting process where we're learning from one another and, and then solutions are, are coming about. Um, and, and that's what needs to happen, you know, because there's certain perspectives, you know, that we have uh, that I think our young people would find valuable, um, at, you know, at, at certain points. And, 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 and it is happening, though. And let's, let's definitely applaud and salute because we get it. Everything isn't happening online. There's mm -hmm. so much going on. And, yep. and our community and communities that's connected, that we're aware of and know that we are not aware of, and there's I, a great deal going on. And, we and, love I, and I just want to challenge our young people to do if you're out there in the streets and you're marching and you're doing that and you're speaking up in a workplace in a school environment in a, in a public space and you you you're not you're not letting your silence uh, uh, go in 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 an in in, in environment of oppression, try to make sure that you're doing triple the amount outside of that forum. You know, like uh, you know, make make it count behind the scenes. And make sure you're informed. It's, it's the same way it's cool to jump up and speak. Be careful. Because a lot of times people want to be entertained. So every time somebody asks you to get up and say something, you don't have to. Your silence can be powerful. How does, how does some of the elders say, you know, don't break the silence unless you can improve upon it. So you want to make sure that you're informed and you bring in yeah. some wisdom and something meaningful to the table. You're right. Absolutely. So <clears throat> with that said, Uncle Keith, we what you eating? Cat, you eating your fresh kale, Uncle Keith? That you, you, you grew? <laughs> nah, it's a, um, it's a, um, it is a, it is a vegetable sandwich, though. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> they keep it going. They keep got the green thumb over yeah, there. Okay. I, was, I was about to say, shout out to everybody who's who's doing, uh, who got the green Gro thumb, like Keith, Gro growing food, Rebel A, Rebel A, yeah, Rebel A. Yeah. I mean, that's why I got, I was, I was inspired by Rebel A, looking at his backyard. So yeah, so so we got. We got kale, bok choy, broccoli, tomatoes, strawberry, uh, strawberry. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, with, with that said, we are the Brooklyn Combine. This is the Brooklyn Combine. Thanks for joining us. Peace. Peace. Peace.